And with me, if you would, page 109. We got just a couple more services to sing Christmas carols, and so we'll get some of them in here. 109, let's sing it out. It came upon the midnight clear that glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled. And still their heavenly music floats all over a weary world. Above its sad and lowly plain And ever o'er its babble sounds a blessed angel seek. And he beneath much crushing load whose norms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now for glad and cold and on the wing and rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing for lo the days are hastening on by prophet thoughts foretold when with the ever circling years comes round the age of gold when Shall over all the earth its ancient splendors gleam, and the whole world give back the song which now the angels sing. And let's sing 124. We three kings, again, we'll skip that course. We'll sing it after the first verse and after the last verse, all right? 124. We three kings of glory and are bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain moor and mountain following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward proceeding, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again, King forever ceasing, never over us all to reign. On the third, frankincense to offer have I. Incense on the deity night. Prayer and praising, all men praising, worship him, God on high. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume, breeze of life, a gathering gloom, soaring, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. On that last glorious now, behold him arise, King and God and sacrifice, Alleluia, Alleluia, sounds to Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. One more right across the page. Come all ye shepherds. Get ready. We're going to take it full speed, all right? You've had enough time to practice. Here we go. Come all ye shepherds. 
Christ the Lord unto us is given, whom God for Savior sent down from heaven. Fear not him. Hasten and hasten to Bethlehem's song. There to see heaven he sent to us all. With holy feeling there, humbly kneeling, we will adore him, bow down before him. Worship the King. Angels and shepherds together we go, seeking this Savior from all earthly woe. While angels winging his praises singing, hands echoes ringing, peace on earth bringing, good will to man. Now, how many of you all kept up there? Okay, most of it. That's good. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonders of this time of the year. Lord, we thank you for the greatest gift. That is your Savior, your Son, our Savior, your Son, to die on the cross for us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to live and understand the grace and the love that you have for us. We ask for you to take this service, encourage us, strengthen us, give us what we need to serve and live for you in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And we're glad you're all here tonight. We've got a special surprise. We've got Brother Carl Vano. And uh, most of you have never heard of him before. He is a missionary with Claim Ministries through VIMI. And he's going to tell you all about that. He's got his wife and daughter here. And uh, you will know him as the man responsible for getting us the tile guy and the ceiling so uh, he's been a great blessing to our church already, and uh, he is uh, here. I guess it's kind of like a senior trip, right? And uh, he blamed it on you anyway. Uh, his daughters wanted to come here and see our wonderful city, amen? And uh, we always, New York City is uh, no better time than Christmas time to see New York City. Anita's got one of her friends with her, and you'll have to forgive me because I forgot your name. Kelly, okay. And uh, I'll tell you, New York is a lot of fun at Christmas time, isn't it? Have you gotten to see anything yet? Okay. And so make sure you take advantage of all of the things that are here. And uh, Brother Vano is going to be coming in just a few moments. I'm just going to turn the service over to him. He's going to explain the ministry that God has called him to. And uh, he's also going to preach to us tonight, so we're always looking forward to that. And uh, Saturday, uh, we will not have our regular visitation again. We'll just give you a break uh, on the holiday weekend. And uh, now next Tuesday, we'll be starting with our discipleship class again. So that's next Tuesday night. Make sure we're here at 8 o'clock, everybody that's involved uh, with that. And then Sunday night, if you come at 6 o'clock, the lights are going to be off, and uh, it's going to be dark in the building. But if you come at 9 o'clock, uh, everything will be on, all right? And uh, our usher will be Nathaniel, and our greeter will be Charlene, and our music director will be Andrew, and our special music will be uh, several of the teens, and and uh, Peter is going to attempt his first real-life sermon. And so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have the service right at 9 o'clock. And then we'll finish, hopefully, sometime close to 10. And then we're going to go downstairs and do what Baptists do best. Eat. All right? And we'll have a f some fun fellowship. The teens are going to be doing a skit. Uh, during the fellowship time, so we're going to have some fun there with that. And then we'll come back up here for a uh, short service time, and then we'll pray. And as soon as we hear everybody else making a bunch of noise, we'll quit and go home before all the drunks get out. Amen? And uh, that the safest time on New Year's is right after midnight. They're all partying and having a great time. And we'll use that opportunity to get everybody home, and uh, everybody will be safely in bed before the uh, 
all the danger starts on New Year's Eve. Amen. And uh, so we've been doing that for several years, and we'll look forward to having a good time. Regular services Sunday morning. I think I got all the regular announcements there. And uh, so uh, let's uh, keep all that in prayer and be wherever we're supposed to be. Amen. And uh, so let's sing one more song. Why don't we turn to 384. 384. One of the greatest Christmas songs ever written. Ring the bells of heaven. Amen. 384. Let's sing it out. Ring the bells of heaven. There is joy today for us all returning from the one. See the Father greets him out upon the way, welcoming his weary wandering child. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud harps ring. Tis a ransomed army like a mighty sea. Healing forth the anthem of the free. Ring the bells of heaven, there is joy today. For the wanderer now is reconciled. Yes, the soul was rescued from his sinful way and is born anew, a ransom child. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud harps ring. Tis a ransomed army like a mighty sea, pealing forth the anthem of the free. Ring the bells of heaven, spread the feast today. Angels swell the glad triumphant strain. Tell the joyful tidings, bear it far away, for a precious soul is born again. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, how the loud harps ring. Tis a ransomed army like a mighty sea, pealing forth the anthem of the free. Amen. You may be seated, and Brother Vano, if you'll come, and we'll just turn the service over to you. Thank you, Pastor Montoro. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I appreciate the, the sweet spirit and uh, the friendly Christ-like hospitality that I have enjoyed. My family and I have experienced this evening here at Open Door. Is it Open Door Bible Baptist Church? Okay. And I appreciate Pastor Montoro inviting us up here to uh, join you in fellowship and to share the Word of God with you, to share what we're doing in the claim ministry. And... To God be the glory. I appreciate that we were able to get some folks to come here to help <clears throat> with your ministry and your beautiful facility, to help with the flooring and also the drop ceiling. And uh, we just appreciate your ministry and what you're doing here for the Lord. And we encourage you to keep up the good work and uh, reach out to the people in this area. I need to tell you this. My dear wife is here with me. We've been married now 35 years, and we're going on 36 years. We have four children. And our baby is with us tonight. She'll be graduating from high school this year, and uh, we look forward to seeing great things from her as she goes off to college. And she says that she would like to go and study medicine and then come back to New York City and be a doctor in an emergency room. Now, where? I don't know, but there's plenty of emergencies ro emergency rooms around this uh, area, I'm sure. And so pray for her. She's talking about studying uh, medicine down in the state of Alabama. And so, if you will, remember her. Uh, I need to tell you this also, that I have some roots here in uh, this New York City area. My grandparents, great-grandparents on my father's side came here from Germany uh, around 1860s, somewhere in there. They came in and sailed into Ellis Island. And my mother told me that my grandfather had a hardware store in Brooklyn over on Prospect Avenue. And so I do have uh, Yankee roots or northern roots up here. And uh, my dad, years ago, went to Florida. And uh, that's uh, where I grew up. And I got saved in Florida. And God called me to preach from there. And I'm so grateful that we've been in the ministry serving as missionaries for 25 years. We were starting churches in the Philippines. I met our dear Filipino friends. And we were in San Juan, Metro Manila, 
We train the nationals. Now they're moving forward for the Lord, doing a great job over there. And then we move from there to Hawaii. You say, yeah, right, missionaries in Hawaii. Well, somebody had to do it, and we were honored to be in Hawaii and to serve there where it's warm year-round. To y'all, this is a heat wave around here. I know, 40, 50 degrees. Uh, I'm surprised you don't have your suntan lotion out or something. But uh, anyhow, it's 85 degrees there year-round. But uh, we enjoyed being in that ministry. Now, we've been with the Claim Ministry since January of 2000. And Claim is an auxiliary ministry of Baptist International Missions. CLAIM stands for Christian Laymen Assisting International Missionaries. And we look for men and women volunteers to go with us overseas and to work on missions projects here at home. We do church construction projects, medical clinics, and also evangelistic meetings. There's many other things that we do, but that's uh, just a few of the things. And we use all of these opportunities as a tool for evangelism. And we would love for you to pray about going with us on some projects. We have been working on the Louisiana-Mississippi Gulf Coast, trying to help about 15 churches rebuild down there. And it's going to be a long time to come before those churches actually get rebuilt in some of those areas. It'll be, some people have speculated, five to ten years before they'll actually be rebuilt in some of those areas around Mississippi area. But they're seeing some churches rebuilt and some lives changed as some people are getting saved. And we had a trip in September back to the Philippines, Patrick, and we went to the area of San Juan and Bulacan. We went down to, uh, let's see, it was down to Katarman Samar, and we had eight medical clinics. We also took a team to work on an orphanage, and to God be the glory, great things He's doing in the Philippines, probably the most fruitful country in the world for people to be saved. And if you like to go fishing for the souls of men, I'll tell you, there's a a tremendous place to go, just as your area here is certainly a a great opportunity to go soul winning. But we saw over 600 people saved there in two weeks. And it wasn't just, hey, if you want to get saved, raise your hand. It was people making a decision for Christ. And then we had one-on-one personal soul winners and discipleship ministry time after the clinics. And so people worked with these folks, and they had an opportunity to hear the gospel and then to be followed up. And so it was just a thrill to see the folks that got saved. We saw a colonel get saved in the Philippine National Police, and we saw others get saved there as well, up and outers and down and outers. And, you know, everywhere people need the Lord. Isn't that right? Even here on 35th, uh, is it 35th Street? Uh, People need the Lord right here in your community. Now, is this still Queens? It is. And so the folks here in Queens need the Lord, just like they do overseas. And without a vision, the people perish. So thank God for the vision of Open Door Bible Baptist Church here in the Queens area and for Pastor Montoro and uh, his lovely family and the church family. I've enjoyed meeting some of these young people. I tell you, they're so polite, and uh, it's just uh, a good testimony for the family and the parents and a commendation to them. I want to share with you from the Word of God in just a moment, but let me mention to you this. We have our latest BIMI World magazine. Now, there's no charge for the magazine. I'm not going to come out there and dun you and ask you for money. This is just our way of saying thank you for praying for us, and I trust that you'll get one of these magazines that gives several different articles about the far north, Alaska, Quebec, Greenland, Nova Scotia, and some other things. And then, also, this is a a calendar that has just come out for 2007 and we want you to have one of these and take as many as you want because what I brought with me is not going back to Tennessee it's going to stay up here in New York City and so if you know someone you'd like to give one of these to as a gift feel free to to give one of these to them but these are all available to you after the service this evening now on these claim projects, people pay their own ways. They, uh, they pay their own expenses and go on these trips and volunteer their time and their labor and so forth. Uh, do you have any questions about the claim projects or about what we do? While you're thinking about that, let me mention some upcoming projects that we do have. We are working on a project going back to Mexico uh, this uh, next summer. Lord willing, we have a project in Togo, West Africa. That'll be coming up in 2008. We'll be building several buildings there. We have several projects going on down in Louisiana, Mississippi. We've had a request from a home missionary over in Great Falls, Montana. He's looking for a church family to go up there and to do a children's uh, youth camp for one week 
He wants somebody to come and do puppetry and singing and play musical instruments and do sports and preaching and all of that together. And it's working with about four or five different Indian nations, including the Blackfoot and some other Indian nations there in Great Falls, Montana. And he also has a building that needs to be renovated. And so we're looking for some help on that project as well. There are other projects coming up, and that just gives you a few of the ideas and uh, things to expect. And so if you have any questions about that, uh, feel free to talk to me after the service. Anybody have a question right now about the claim ministry or what we do or how we do it? We also look for people of other talents and skills. We use auto mechanics to help in the end of uh, July, 1st of August. We have what we call Enrichment Week in Chattanooga. We have people that volunteer their vacation time, and they come down there to work on missionaries' vehicles, and they save our missionaries literally thousands of dollars and help the missionaries to get from point A to point B to their next church by uh, helping get their vehicles fixed. And so we do that. We have computer specialists that help us with our missionaries' computers. And uh, we do all kinds of things. If you can cook, if you can wash clothes, if you can paint, if you can uh, do various ministries of putting a building together, or you can maybe just minister to a missionary's wife. Uh, you know, they're lonely sometimes on the mission field. They can't talk to their congregation about certain needs they have in their own hearts and lives. And so sometimes ladies can just go and lend a listening ear and be a blessing and an encouragement to that missionary's wife. Any questions? Uh, we've got a, a smart group of people here, Pastor, and they've got all the answers, so uh, we'll just move on then. But if you have any questions after the service, you feel free to talk to me about uh, what we do in claim. Make sure you get your calendar and your magazine. Now, I have a display I brought with me. Unfortunately, I rushed out tonight and forgot to bring it with me, so I'll have it here set up on Sunday morning, and you can take a look at some of the pictures and some of the projects that we do around the world. Isaiah chapter 6, if you will, please. We're looking at verses 1 through 8 and also verse 11. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8 and verse 11. I'm asking a question tonight. The title of my message is, How is Your Vision? How is your vision? Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8 and verse 11. As we think about this new year that's coming upon us quickly and our responsibility to the Lord, we also have a responsibility to the people around us. So I trust that God's Word will be an encouragement to us tonight as we look at Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8 and verse 11. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me. For I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, because I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Dear Christian, aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin? We can rejoice in that tonight. In verse 8 we read, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Verse 11. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without men, and the land be utterly desolate. Shall we pray? Now, Father, we rejoice in the opportunity to be here to proclaim thy truth from thy word. Holy Spirit of God, give liberty and power tonight. May the Lord Jesus Christ be honored and exalted. I thank thee for Pastor Montoro and for this dear church family. Now, I pray that you would encourage the hearts of the saints, and if there's anyone here tonight not saved, 
May the Spirit of God bring conviction of sin. May they be convinced tonight that they need Christ as their Savior. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us that vision that we need to reach others for Christ. And we'll thank thee for it in Jesus' name. Amen. How is your vision? It was some time ago I was playing golf in Chattanooga, Tennessee with a preacher friend of mine. I had my glasses on and I got to the end of the game and I realized that the lens in the right part of my frame was missing. So evidently it wasn't doing my game a whole lot of good. I didn't notice it until at the end of the game. So I thought, well, I'll go to the optometrist and see about getting my eyes checked and get a new pair of glasses. So I went and sat down in the chair and he said, read the eye chart. So I looked at the eye chart and I knew I was in trouble when all I could read was the big giant blurry E. I said, I can't read it. He said, well, let me look at your eye. He said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have a cataract. I thought, well, that's not fair. I have a cataract and everybody else has a Rankin Continental. Okay, y'all, y'all get there later. But anyhow, uh, <clears throat> he said, you have to go to another doctor and get a second opinion. And so I went to the ophthalmologist. I sat down in the chair and he said, read the eye chart. Well, I, know, I knew where we were going with that one. I said, I can't read it. He said, let me look. He said, not only do you have a cataract in your right eye, but you've got one in your left eye. He said, the one in your left eye can stay two or three years, but the one in your right eye has to come out now. So he prepped me for surgery, told me what he was going to do, and then we had the surgery. He asked me to come in the next day and read the eye chart, and to God be the glory, with the help of the, the modern technology that doctors have, that God has given to them, I could read the eye chart with my right eye 2020. I mean, it's just a marvelous thing. Now, I give you that story to make an application. If you and I, as Christians, do not base everything that we do in our life upon the inerrant, inscripturated truth of the Word of God, then our vision is going to be blurry, just like with a cataract. It's going to be skewed, and we're going to have hazy vision. And so with that in mind, I want us to be reminded that everything we do in our life needs to be based upon the Word of God. So I ask you again tonight, how is your vision? I want to give you four thoughts tonight to try to encourage you and me about our vision. Number one, we need to get a vision of the holiness of God. We need to get a vision of the holiness of God. We read in this passage of Scripture about the earthly king Uzziah. He's also named Azariah in the Scriptures. And he ruled and reigned in Judah for 52 years. And he dies and he's off the scene. Then another king comes on the scene, the most famous king, the king of kings and lord of lords. And you see him in the temple. His, his train fills the temple. It flows down the aisle and his creation surround his throne. And the angels, the seraphim, cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And that is the bottom line, absolute character of our God. Every decision that he makes is based upon his holiness. And we don't always understand the things that our God does in our lives or in the lives of others, but we can re realize this, that when we cannot trace Him, we can trust Him. God never makes a mistake in our lives, no matter what heartache you're facing tonight. No matter what difficulty and challenge your family is going through, God knows and He understands and He tells us to cast all of our cares upon Him, for He careth for us. And so every decision he makes in our lives is based upon his holiness. And he's trying to mold us and fashion our character after himself. And so we need to get a vision of the holiness of God. It would make a difference in our lives individually and collectively as a church family if we would see the holiness of God in our lives. As Peter said, be ye holy, even as I'm holy. Now, we're not saved through trying to do righteous things and good works. We're saved through the precious blood of Jesus Christ as we repent of our sin and we turn to trust Christ and Him alone for salvation. Then the Spirit of God births us into the family of God. And that's what the Bible talks about in John chapter 3. You must be born again or born from above. Now, let me ask you tonight. Are you born from above? Are you born again? If you were to die tonight, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? If you were to stand at the gates of glory and God would stand there and He'd say, why would I or why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? The only correct answer is that I'm trusting the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, to cleanse me from all sin. I'm not trusting church membership at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. I'm not trusting baptism. I'm not trusting my good works or trying to keep the Ten Commandments. I'm trusting the blood of Jesus Christ 
and Him alone for salvation. That's when you're going to get into heaven. That's the open door to heaven. So, let me ask you again tonight. Are you sure you're saved? Do you know positively that if you were to die tonight, you'd go to heaven? You need to get it settled. You need to get it settled tonight. Make no mistake about it. You're not assured that you're going to be living on this earth tomorrow. And so today is the day of salvation. Today you need to come to Christ. Don't put it off. And so let's get a vision of the holiness of God. Dear Christian, it'll change our lives if we realize that. Not only in our speech, in our lifestyle, in our actions, our attitudes. We need to get a vision of the holiness of God. You know, Satan has fiery darts that he uses as weapons against the child of God. And sometimes Christians will get a chip on their shoulder and they'll get uh, maybe their feelings hurt because of something said at church. Maybe the pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a church member, they say, hmm, if that's what they think about me or if that's the way they're going to treat me, then I'll just go home and worship God there. Or I can worship God in the mountains. Or I can worship God out at the beach. Well, you can do all of the above, but that's not God's plan for this day and time. His plan is not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Some people forsake the assembly. God says, don't forsake it. Why? You need the encouragement. Why? Other people need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged through the good singing like we heard tonight. You need to be encouraged through the preaching of the Word of God. Why? It changes lives. It's the power of God. Not only to salvation, but to change those that do get saved. And so we need to get a vision of the holiness of God. Not only does Satan use those fiery darts to encourage Christians to fall by the wayside and sometimes to get burned out, but he also uses those fiery darts for the unsaved. They'll come to church and they'll look around and they'll say, if so-and-so is a Christian and they're a member of this church, I don't want to have anything to do with those people down there because they're just a bunch of hypocrites. And Satan will use that to try to keep the unsaved from coming to Christ. Dear Christian, when you get discouraged and you get faint-hearted and you get burned out, and there are going to become times in our lives when we do get discouraged. And there will be times in our lives when we look at other people and, and there will be others that fail. And by the way, we'll all fail because we're human. But let me remind you of this. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. There was no joy in the cross, but he looked beyond the cross to that day when you and I would trust him as our Savior. And that's what drove the Lord Jesus Christ to Calvary's cross, that unconditional love. Thank God. He loved us that much. We need to get a vision of the holiness of God. When you get discouraged, what do we do? Do we look around us? No, let's look up to Jesus. Amen? Do y'all say amen up here in the north? Huh? Okay, thank you very much. I'm just checking here. I, I knew y'all knew that word. And uh, it's just like saying, sick him to a bulldog, man. You say that with a preacher and you get him fired up and encouraged. You'll preach himself to death. You'll be done real quick and y'all going home. We need a vision of the holiness of God. Secondly, we need a vision of the sinfulness of man. We need a vision of the sinfulness of man. Isaiah got that vision in verse 5. He said, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah looked at himself. He said, You know what? Woe is me. I'm a sinner. I have unclean lips because my heart's unclean. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Isaiah said, not only am I a sinner, but guess what, folks? You're sinners too. The Bible teaches us that there are 6.5 billion people upon this earth tonight, and every one of them are sinners by birth and by choice. They need the Savior. And then Isaiah had another vision in that same verse. As he saw the vision of the sinfulness of man, he saw in verse 5 at the end, the King of kings and the Lord of hosts. You see, when we compare ourselves with other people around us, we don't look too bad sometimes compared to the drunk or maybe the adulterous person or whatever, the drug addict. But when we look at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we miss the mark. We come far short and fail His standard of perfection and righteousness. And Isaiah said we're sinners. We need to get a vision of the sinfulness of man. It was some time ago. I was traveling on the road two to 4,000 miles a month, and I was weary, tired, wanted to go home and get my Sunday afternoon nap. 
And I don't know if y'all do that around here, but uh, down there in the mountains of Tennessee, those mountains just call out to you, get your nap, go get your nap. And so I was ready to home, go home and get my nap. So I was headed home to get my nap, and I came to a four-way intersection, to a stop sign intersection, and I looked to my left, and there was an old truck broke down. And I said to myself, self, I sure hope somebody helps him get going because you're not. You're headed home to get your Sunday afternoon nap. Now, I don't suppose y'all have ever been like that. I'm just confessing the heart of a sometime backslidden missionary. I wanted to go home and get my rest. It was more important to me to think about myself than it was about this guy over here. And so I'm headed home to get my rest, and, and the Spirit of God burdens my heart and stops me right there in the intersection and says, I said, I want you to stop and help the guy. Well, I didn't want to help him. I'm wrestling with God in my heart. It's like Jonah going in the opposite direction of God's will for his life. I'm in the boat headed in the opposite direction of where God wants me to go. Now, I know y'all don't get that way around here, but sometimes missionaries do. And so I'm headed through the intersection, and the second time the Spirit of God speaks to my heart and says, Stop and help him. Now, I didn't want to help him. I was still wrestling with God. I know y'all don't ever wrestle with the Lord around here. But that's what happens to sometimes backslidden hearts of missionaries. So I, I, I'm really belligerent about the thing. And I go through the intersection and stop over there in the parking lot and park my car. And I had a suit on that morning. And I ran back to help him. I said, hey, do you need any help? Well, duh, he's broke down. Didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. He said, well, yeah, I sure could use some help. Well, that was not the answer I was looking for. So I got over there at the old truck and backed up to that old bumper and started pushing and I turned around after I got some momentum and got the truck rolling, and I started pushing him over there to the parking lot where I had just parked my car. Well, lo and behold, there's this guy that just parked his brand-new white Mercedes-Benz over there. I had a game plan. I'm going to give this guy a gospel track, see if this guy with the Mercedes can jump him off, and I'm going home to get my nap. So we get the old truck parked over there, coincidentally, right in front of the, uh, the brand-new Mercedes-Benz. And the guy helped me push him over there. And I said, I said to the guy at the old truck, I said, Kenny, do you have any jumper cables? He said, I sure do. And I said to the guy with Mercedes, do you mind jumping him off? He said, not at all. So the man with Mercedes lifted up his hood and he's looking in there for the battery. He can't find it. It's not there. He said, I don't know where it is. Well, I've never had a Mercedes before, but I'm standing there with him feverishly looking for it because I'm going to go get my nap. He said, I don't know where it is. I, he said, I guess it's in the trunk. I said, I don't know. I've never had a Mercedes. I said, just go on home and I'll take care of it. And I'm still upset and aggravated about this whole ordeal. I know y'all don't get that way, but sometimes I do. And so I pull my car over there in front of this old truck. I get the cables, hook him up, jump him off, crank the truck. It's going. I said, Kenny, here's the gospel track. I hope you'll read it sometime and tell you how to go to heaven. He stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, listen. I've been drinking today. My wife's threatening to leave me, and I'm thinking about committing suicide. Would you help me? Whew. The Spirit of God arrested my soul, and I said, okay, let me sit in your truck with you. And I got in the truck, the front seat of the passenger side, and underneath my seat was a brand-new quart of Ice House beer. I thought, man, I need somebody to see me like this. They think, well, be partying or something. So he started pouring his heart out to me, telling me about his wife, his family situation, I listened for about 15 minutes. The tears were flowing, brokenhearted. And then I pulled out my New Testament, God's love letter to him. I said, Kenny, I want to share some good news with you, how Christ died for you, shed his precious blood for you. And he loved you so much. He did it for you. If you'd been the only person on this earth, he died for you. He was buried and rose again bodily, according to the word of God. He rose again from the grave for you. I shared this good news, how that Kenny could have his sins forgiven and peace with God and a home in heaven. Right there and then in that truck, Kenny bowed his head and heart and trusted Christ as a Savior. After he got through, he said, you know what, I feel like a new man. I said, well, Kenny, you might not know it, but 2 Corinthians 5, 17 reads, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You are a new man. And then he reached down underneath my seat and he grabbed that quart of ice house beer and he opened it up. I thought, well, I guess we are going to party now. And he said, you know what, I don't need this, do I? I said, no, you don't need that. And he poured it out on the ground. That's a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but that night he went with me to church, the Baptist church where our kids go to church, and before hundreds of people, during the invitation, he walked forward and made his public profession of faith. That's a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
And you and I have relatives and friends and neighbors and loved ones and co-workers and kids maybe where you go to school that need Jesus Christ as Savior. We need to get a vision of the sinfulness of man. And God's not sending angels down here to share the good news of salvation. He wants to use blood-bought and blood-washed sinners saved by the grace of God to share that grace with other sinners. Now, what a privilege we have. Amen? And let's get fired up about it. Let's get excited about it. Since we've been here in town, man, I brought a bunch of gospel tracts from Tennessee. And one favorite one that I use is one that our pastor had printed up. His little granddaughter's on the front. And on the front it says on the side, Who Loves You? And then it talks about Mommy and Daddy Loves Me and, and so forth and so on. And then it talks about Jesus Loves You. And that shares the plan of salvation. And I've had the opportunity to share that good news with people around town as we just stand around at the bus station, as we stand around at the train station, and just share the good news of Christ and, and what He's done for them. And, and some of them have said, yeah, I'm saved. I know I'm born again and ready to go to heaven. But you know what? We need to get a vision of the sinfulness of man. People here in Queens need the Lord. People in New York City need the Lord. People around the state of New York and around the United States and around the world, they need the Lord. And so let's get this vision of the sinfulness of man. I have a half-brother. I wish you'd pray for him. He invested 33 years of his life in military service. I have two half-sisters. They're not saved. None of them are saved. They've heard the plan of salvation. My brother went to a school, a dental school down in Atlanta, Georgia, where he studied dentistry. He also studied down in Macon, Georgia. And in one of these schools, they taught him that, well, you know, the virgin birth is a biological impossibility. The deity of Christ is not true. A religious school. And so he comes out of that school teaching and, and telling me this. He said, you know, I don't believe the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection, or the blood atonement. But he said, I'm just as much a Christian as you are. I said, based upon the authority of the Word of God, you're not saved. I wish you'd pray for him. You know, I would imagine that in a congregation this size, you have relatives that need the Lord. You have friends that need the Lord. You know what? There's an altar down here for us, and that altar is there for us to pray. And I just wonder if maybe there's some of us here tonight ought to come to this old-fashioned altar and do business with God and pray. Pray for our lost loved ones and our relatives, our friends. Maybe, if for no one else, pray for my lost loved ones. God help us to get a vision of the sinfulness of man, a vision of the holiness of God. Thirdly, we need a vision of hell. A vision of hell. You know, we don't get that vision very often. Thank God you're in a good Bible-believing church where I believe they preach the gospel and the whole counsel of God and the whole word of God. And I'm sure you hear messages here from time to time on hell. But you know, hell's a real place. Jesus spoke more about hell than He did about heaven. And He went to heaven and He said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so if He spoke more about hell than He did about heaven, and He went to heaven, we must be reminded that there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And we go to the book of Luke, chapter 16, for the story, the true story, of rich man and Lazarus. Now that's not a parable. You see, God never used proper names in parables. And it's not a parable. He used the name of Abraham in that true story. And so in that story, in that true story, you have the rich man who fared sumptuously every day. He had the best of everything that money could buy. He had the best of the clothes, the best of the purple robes. He had the best of the servants. He had the best of the food. He had everything that his heart desired, except his heart did not desire God. And you come over here, and you have the poor man, Lazarus. And he's just begging for a few crumbs from the rich man's table. And the only friends that he has are the Mongols, the dogs, the, the, the Heinz 57 animals that wander on the streets that come by and lick his sores. And I believe God provided them for him for that very purpose. I checked with a couple of veterinarians from two different cities one time. I was curious about the saliva glands of dogs. I, some of us, that may sound gross. But I was just really curious about it. And so I said, 
Is there any kind of healing value or medicinal value in the saliva glands of dogs and both of them independent of each other without knowledge of me talking to the other one? said, yes, there is. And so God sends these dogs by to, to give temporary relief to Lazarus. And the Bible goes on to say that Lazarus died. And he was carried into the bosom of Abraham by the angels. Personal belief, I think God's still doing that today. Not into paradise, but He's carrying us directly into His presence. The Bible says if we're saved, and when we pass on from this life, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We go directly into the presence of God. And then we read the rest of the story where the Bible says about the rich man, and he died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment, and he saw Father Abraham afar off, and he saw Lazarus, and he said, Father Abraham, I am in torment in these flames. Send Lazarus that he might dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. By the way, does that sound like six feet under the ground like the cults teach? That's not six feet under. There's torment. There's suffering. There's pain, there's darkness, there's separation from everything that's godly and holy and righteous. And then Father Abraham responds and he says, Remember, when you were back on earth, you had everything that your heart desired. And Lazarus had nothing. And now Lazarus is comforted. And the rich man who's no longer rich is still in hell today. And then you hear this missionary voice from hell cry out. He says, Father Abraham... Somehow raise Lazarus from the dead and send him back to earth to tell my five brothers about this awful, horrible, dreadful place. And Father Abraham says it's impossible. He says they have Moses and the prophets. If, if they don't believe, though they have the, the Word of God, they won't believe, though somebody rose from the dead. And that's not the end of the story. May I remind you of this, that one day... The judge of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, will sit upon the great white throne judgment. He will raise the souls of the damned from hell. That's a temporary abode for the unsaved. He will bring them to the great white throne judgment and issue degrees of punishment. Then He will cast them into the lake of fire where they will remain forever and forever and forever. And when they cry out, get me out of here, I can't take it anymore. It'll be forever and forever and forever. Now, I don't know about you, I don't want my loved ones going there. I don't want my friends going there. God, disturb our souls tonight and break our hearts for our loved ones and, and help us to get a vision of hell. We don't want them going there. We need a vision of the sinfulness of man, a vision of the holiness of God. Fourthly, and I'm... I'll be done. A vision of the lovely Lord Jesus. Don't want to close on a negative note. A vision of the lovely Lord Jesus. And isn't He lovely to you, those of you that have been saved, knowing your sins are forgiven, you have peace with God, a home in heaven, eternal life, the joy of the Lord, that's our strength. We get this vision of the lovely Lord Jesus in Isaiah 53. Our great God and Savior who humbled Himself and became a man. He became the God-man. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God was virgin-born. He had to be virgin-born, be able to take away our sin, to be able to make payment for our sin that God the Father would accept. And He came among His creation and His own creation rejected Him for the most part. His own people, the Jews, rejected Him for the most part. So we'll have nothing to do with this man. And He allowed His creation in His humility. He allowed them to criticize Him and to mock Him at these mock trials and to ridicule Him. They took a cat of nine tails and they beat His back and shred the skin and pulled the muscle out. And the Bible says His visage... His appearance was so marred, he didn't even look like a man. He allowed him to pluck his beard. They stripped his clothes and his dignity. Took a crown of thorns and braided upon that precious brow. 
and jerked it down. And the blood spurted. Then he's hanging on the cross. They spear him in his side. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He takes all of this burden of sin upon himself. He became the sin bearer, our substitute. He who knew no sin died for us the sinful. And hallelujah, he rose again from the grave. And he's alive forevermore. That ought to get a Baptist a little excited. Amen? And thank God he intercedes for us tonight. And you see the unconditional love of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Thank God he loved us. If you were the only person on this earth, he would have died for you. He loved you that much. And I, don't, I won't take time to go into it completely, but as you look at Calvary's cross, you also realize that God believes in the death penalty. And He issued the death penalty in Genesis 9, 6. He has never rescinded or taken away the death penalty. He's carried it over into the New Testament, into Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. He has given human government authority to exercise capital punishment and the death penalty upon those who do harm to societies such as ours. And that's why I believe that our government and our president had the authority based upon the Word of God to go against those people that attacked New York City and Washington, D.C. We had the authority to go against those terrorists that attacked us. And by the way, they are terrorists. Now, Arabs need to be saved just like anybody else, folks. The Lord loves them just as much as He loves us. And we need not forget that. But they are terrorists. And I've read the Koran through in the English translation, and you can well understand this, that they have declared a jihad on anybody that's Jewish or Christian or an unbeliever, and that's their goal, to exterminate us. God's not going to let it happen until He's through with us. I'll tell you this. We better be diligent and vigilant and get the gospel out while we have hope and while we have time. I think the Lord's long-suffering and not willing that any should perish, whether it's here in New York City or anywhere else. But we better be diligent in getting out that good news. I'll finish with this story. <clears throat> Perhaps a couple of stories. It was one month... <clears throat> Before our teenager, the baby that's with us tonight, was born, my dad decided to go and visit with his sister. And <clears throat> actually, it was less than a month that he passed away. It was on December the 26th, almost 18 years ago now. And he went to visit my aunt. My, my aunt's passed away. That was in Bernardina Beach. My mom and dad went to visit her. He took his contact lens out that night and he. They assume he went to the bathroom, he got disoriented. Instead of going to the bedroom, he went to the steps and he fell 17 steps to the front door. And he hit a giant flower pot. He broke some ribs, broke his collarbone. They had to air vac him by helicopter from, Jackson, from Fernandina Beach, Florida to Jacksonville to the Baptist Hospital. And my mother called us while we were in Chattanooga. She said, if you ever want to see your dad alive again, you need to come quickly. So we rushed down there to find my dad in the hospital. He had two tubes in his mouth, one in his collarbone area, two tubes in his ribcage area. They were trying to drain the fluid off his lungs. He could never speak to me audibly as I'm speaking with you again tonight, but he tried. And I could read three words from his lips that I'll never forget. Very simply, I love you. And I knew my dad loved me. You kids know your dad loves you. I can tell it. You're real close to him. And that's a blessing. And you know, my dad loved me. He, he did things with me. He spent time with me. He'd take me fishing and we'd go camping. And, and he showed my, his love to me. And I know your dad's done the same thing with you. He's done different things, special things with you. He's tried to show you that he loves you. My dad showed me that. He loved me. 2,000 plus years ago on Calvary's cross, my Heavenly Father said to you and to me and the rest of the world, I love you. What more could he do? 
How much more could he demonstrate his love to us than giving his son on Calvary's cross? What love is this? One more story and I'm done. Some time ago, my wife and daughter got to go with me to an inner city church to preach <clears throat> down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, <clears throat> interpreted in the South, that was a black church. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever been to a black church, I love preaching in black churches. I'm telling you, nobody can sing like black folks. Now, y'all sing good tonight, but God's put something in their souls that we white folks don't know nothing about. I mean, they can let her rip, and they just sing beautifully. And so I just really enjoy it. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, we got there about an hour ahead of time of the service, and I decided to pull in the parking lot, get my display set up, and I pulled in halfway in the parking lot, and <clears throat> there was about a half a dozen people milling around in the parking lot. And uh, I had the car halfway out in the street and halfway in the parking lot, and I stopped. Well, there was just this one stocky, husky black guy. He had just rid driven up on a, ridden up on a, a white Harley-Davidson motorcycle. And he had a blue bandana around his forehead, and he had some wraparound sunglasses on and his earrings in his ears, and he had a gold necklace on, and his shirt was unbuttoned. I thought, my soul, what am I into now? Well, he comes walking over to the car, and I roll my window down, and he looks at me without cracking a smile. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, welcome. Give me your wallet. I said, what? He said, I said, welcome. Give me your wallet. I looked at him and I said, my wallet? You're not getting my wallet? Now keep in mind, we were in the Philippines. We went through the revolution of Marcos. We were right there in smack dab in the middle of all of these people, three million people in the street. By the way, smack dab is a good old southern term. If you're not familiar with it, say it three times real quick, smack dab, smack dab, smack dab, and it'll just bless your heart. It'll just really do something for you. It'll make you think, where did this preacher come from? From the, the sticks of Tennessee or something? <laughs> so we were smack dab in the revolution. Four days, three million people in the streets. They told us to stay inside, but I missed the revolution here in 1776, so I thought I'd get in on the action there in the Philippines. I took a lot of pictures. Uh, I watched them uh, at Camp Crommy and Camp Aguinaldo as they, they uh, bombed the, the areas there. And they were shooting it back and forth at each other. I took pictures of all this. And, and my son and I sat on the rooftop of our house as they bombed the military camp. We could feel the concussion from the bombing. And, and I had to go rescue our church secretary and one of the ladies that lived with her there at her house. They were, uh, had soldiers in their front yard as close as to me and the interpreter. They had M16s. There were tanks in the streets. And two blocks away we could hear bullets ricocheting off the building. And we went through about three or four typhoons and that many earthquakes and a house fire. But other than that, it was pretty calm over there. And we love the Filipino people. They're great. And you're one of them, aren't you? <laughs> and so are they. And we just love them. <clears throat> but uh, other than that, it was pretty calm. You ever wonder why a missionary acts so insane sometimes? When you go through some crazy stuff like that, you have to act sane in order to remain sane. And you understand that, don't you, preacher? Thank you very much. <clears throat> and so the man's asking for my wallet. I said, you're not getting my wallet. He looked at me, he broke out laughing. He said, I'm just kidding with you. He said, I'm here an hour early practicing a drama. He said, I'm practicing the part of the devil. I said, man, you're doing a good job. Then he looked at the mags on my car. He said, I sure do like those mags on your car. I said, yeah, I like them on my car too. And when I leave the service tonight, I want those mags on my car. <laughs> and when I realized he was just kidding, then we had a good time. You know what he's asking for? He was asking for my wallet. Now, I don't have any money in it, so don't ask for it tonight. But you know what? I'm going to shock you tonight and close it. God's not asking for your wallet. He's not asking for your money. You say, missionary's not going to preach on money. No, he's not asking for your money. He wants your heart. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, right here in the Word of God, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to me. 
God's not asking us to die for Him. He wants us to live for Him. And with the power of the Holy Spirit and the inscripturated truth of the Word of God, we can do just that. We can be living on the victorious side of this Christian life. We don't have to be down in the dumps. With the power of the strength of the Lord, we can live for Him and we can share the good news of salvation around us with other people. And we certainly don't use God like a, a lucky rabbit's foot or a four-leaf clover or like a soldier in a foxhole whenever we get in trouble. Say, oh God, I need your help. Now, He may help us at that point in time and He may not. But remember this. He's the Lord. He's the Master. We're the servant. He's the kurios. We're the doulos. We're the bond slave. And the bond slave doesn't go to the Master and say, God, you do something for me, and I'll do something for you. That's not the way it works. James says if we're going to have success, here's the formula that we follow. Listen to it carefully. Here it is. In 2007, you want to be a successful Christian? James says it this way. You draw nigh to me, to God, and I'll draw nigh to you. There's the secret to 2007. And there's so many opportunities. As Isaiah of old said, whenever the Lord said, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah spoke up and he said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Now let me ask you tonight, are you available? Are you available to be sent? It doesn't mean necessarily the Lord's going to send you overseas. It might mean that. It might mean He wants to send you across the street or down the street in Queens, or somewhere else to be a witness for Him. There are many opportunities right here at home at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Pastor, do you have all the helpers you need here? You don't, do you? You could use more? Perhaps there's folks here tonight need to go to the pastor and say, Preacher, I'm available. What can I do? Take some gospel tracts. Help in a Sunday school class. Help around the church ministry. Invite people to come. Have a meal for a lost family. There's so many opportunities and ways that you can minister to other peoples to be a blessing right here at home, in your own backyard. As we think about the new year fast, quickly coming upon us, there are opportunities for service right here at home. There are opportunities for service around the world. But let's get our focus correct. For 2007, let's get a vision of the holiness of God. Let's keep our focus on a vision of the sinfulness of man. A vision of hell. And a vision of the lovely Lord Jesus. We're going to be successful this year until Jesus comes again. He wants us to keep our focus on eternity. That's what matters most. I know we have to have jobs to, to support our family and give our tithes to support our church and our missionary program and so forth. But what matters most is keeping our focus on eternity. So let me ask you tonight and I'm done. How's your vision? God bless us and God help us to have the correct vision. Amen? Let's bow for prayer, please. You've been so patient, so attentive, so kind. Just a moment, the pastor will come to finish the service tonight. But let me ask you, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one's looking around with... Just a few moments left. <clears throat> if you were to die tonight, you know for sure that you're going to heaven. As a testimony of the grace of God, may I see your hand, please? Would you hold it up? You know you've been saved. You're born again. What a glorious testimony. Thank you so much. Put your hands down. Is there someone here tonight? No one's looking around, and I'm not going to come embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. I would not point you out. That I would not do that. Is there someone? You say, preacher, pray for me boy or girl, teenager, man or woman, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I definitely don't want to go to hell and spend eternity with the devil in the lake of fire and be separated from everything that's godly and holy and righteous. I just don't want to go there. Pray for me. I, I need to get saved. Is there anyone like that? We love you. The Lord loves you. Would you take courage tonight and just raise your hand, slip it up and put it down. We want to pray for you. Thank you so much. Is there somebody else? We're going to pray. And after we pray, if you need to come to this old-fashioned altar, dear Christian, 
and pray. It'll be here for you. If there's someone that says, I'm not saved, I'm not sure that I'm saved, you need to get it settled tonight. The pastor, someone else will be here to help you from the Word of God. Whatever the need is of your heart tonight. Maybe you've been saved, but not yet scripturally baptized. You don't have to pray about it. You just need to come and submit yourself as a candidate for baptism. Whatever the need is tonight, we invite you to come. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God. In these few closing hours of 2006, I pray that you'd help us to get the right focus, the right vision. We'd be focused on Thee, on souls in need of the Savior, on hell, and on our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for this one that perhaps is not sure about their salvation. They'll get it settled tonight and help us as Christians that we'll be focused on the right things. Lord, do give the pastor wisdom now as he comes, and we'll thank you for what you do in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Bow and our eyes closed. We'll take just a moment. Have Joy come and play a hymn of invitation. And if you need to spend a little time at the altar, just step right on out. Let's not be long tonight. God's people said. Did anybody say anything? Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you very much for that message, Brother Vano.